You're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables, a podcast dedicated to sharing human-centric stories from CIOs and technology leaders across the city, county, state, and federal agencies, joining in the conversation and touching the hearts and minds of leaders across technology today. From mission-driven leadership to cloud, AI to cybersecurity, workforce challenges, and more, never miss insights from peers and vendor partners across the public sector. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to techtables.com and drop your email to subscribe. New podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, along with weekly behind-the-mic newsletter. And one of today's podcast sponsors is Tech Tables Plus, an engaging new community where you can have early access to never-before-released episodes, early access to live event recordings, early access to weekly three interesting learnings, early access to live event ticket purchases, no episode ads, and more, plus three extra special bonuses when you sign up today. Bonus number one, access to the CEO show. Bonus number two, access to the Higher Ed Show. And bonus number three, access to the Digital Show. Join Tech Tables Plus today. As always, thank you for supporting the Tech Tables Network. All right, today we have Gavin Green, CISO for the Florida Office of the State Courts Administrator. Gavin, welcome to the Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. Thanks, Joe. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Well, Gavin, on our intro call, you mentioned that you coach or coached. I can't. I don't exactly remember, but five-year-old flag football. I love this. Absolutely. As folks know on the podcast, I coach high school basketball. So I love this. Talk about the traits that you take away as a leader from coaching flag football that you are taking back to the office. Yeah. So it's coached. So the reason, the primary reason I got into because I had a very personal reason. And that was because I have a son that it was his first time playing football and I wanted to kind of share some of the experiences that he was having with a game that I really love. And so that was the reason I really jumped in. But what I learned more after the season ended is that I learned a lot from the kids and I gained more than I anticipated. So from a leadership standpoint, what I found fascinating, because I did reflect on this a good bit, was Kids want acknowledgement. Kids want understanding or just basically that moment that they feel they did something right. And adults are the same. We work really hard. We try to provide for our families or provide for ourselves. And but at the end of the day, trying to feel good about the things we're doing. And so are the kids. And so one of the things that I was already doing a good bit of this, but I wanted to make sure that when to acknowledge my staff and others when they did something that was really just tremendous. And so that was one thing garnered. Another thing that gained from the teaching five football or coaching rather was a five-year-old and six-year-olds was you can draw kind of the perfect play and you've ran it through your head. The kids know what their position is. They know exactly what to do. But when the ball is snapped, something may change, right? Something happens. And so when I take that to the real world, or at least in the professional world, is the same thing, right? When issues arise, I try my best to think of all the avenues and think of all the possibilities that are sort of surrounding this issue and maybe go a little bit further and think a step ahead, what questions may be asked. And so with this, as much as you prepare, things just may not work out. So it's important to just like the kids, it's important for them to get up. It's important for us in a professional sense to, to take these scenarios and these issues and learn from them. So I really, I gained a lot from the coaching flag football. I'm not certain I'm going to do it again, but definitely on the table. I love that. I have a four-year-old and I don't know, 
I don't know if I could necessarily, he, I think he loves me as coach, but I think having just the high school experience, it's just a, a little more developed for me. My four-year-old's pretty funny. I'll get him on the court and I'm like, well, you're traveling and kind of all this other, right. other funny stuff. But I love what you brought up about kind of once the ball is snapped or once the game begins, something that we, that as coaches, and you probably noticed too, is what you do in practice is actually different than what happens in the game time. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was like a big lesson for me because sometimes I would just find that some of the kids were pretty shy or some, sometimes some of them got scared when the opponents would get on the floor. And I just felt trying to build up their confidence was a huge piece because it's when no one's in the gym versus your crosstown rival game, or even with the kids doing the flag football, you can kind of see like different personalities come out and it happens in the workforce all the time. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you were able to touch on that. And, and I learned so much from the kids and actually probably leadership and teamwork is most of the lessons I get are on the court doing van rides. Like it, that's like <laughs> kind of the life, like where it happens, trying to get the team to buy in to, to the program and have them believe in 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 the mission and what the team's trying to accomplish. So I, I always love highlighting stories like that. Yeah, it's definitely I've been a, it was, I was surprised because again, I did reflect on it. I, I got into it for a personal reason and I got a lot more out of it. And I would think about that every time that we leave the field of these little kids that I may never see them again, or I, I may, some of them were very talented. And uh, so I tell myself in 15 years, if they're not playing a college football, I would be very shocked. So, but you know, on the professional side, there's, there's a lot to be learned from, because again, at the end of the day, we're all human. And so that same little kid is going to show, they do that acknowledging them. Hey, you did a great job running the ball. Well, same thing for adults. Now adults not going to show as much emotion as a kid. He's going to jump up and down and be really happy and go tell all his friends. Adults, when we get that acknowledgement, it's more of internal for the most part. So very good stuff I've learned from that. I love that. On the leadership front, let's jump into getting buy-in and empowering your staff. We kind of touched a little bit upon this, but what are two to three specific lessons and insights that you would like to share from your experience? Good question. Have patience. In the realm I work in, on the security realm, it's buy-in is instrumental. We're talking about a an industry that has really been a major focus over the past, say, 10 to 15 years. So in order for you to uh, elevate and succeed in security, you have to have buy-in. You have to have buy-in from your leadership. And how do you do that? Communicate with them. Communicate. The key that your leaders need is that they need to understand the risk that they're facing, that the organization is facing. And sometimes you got to make it personal for them and make them put it into, I say, plain English for them to understand how much the organization could suffer if a security incident did occur. So that buy-in, I've been fortunate enough that a lot of the buy-in I've been working on for years is coming to light. I've been fortunate that, or I am fortunate rather, that I'm surrounded myself by great leaders, my CIO, for example, and they understand. And But they also ask the right questions about why are you bringing this to me? Why do we need to do this? Now, when it comes to empowering the staff, um, a little bit of the same. 
communication. Me and my staff need to be on the same page. There's clear expectations of what we're trying to do. To empower my staff, you got to trust them. Right. There's when people feel that they are trusted, that they are, that you have belief in what they are doing, then they're going to go a little extra mile. So by going that extra mile, you need to be right by their side. So I don't want to have staff that I work with just going off and feeling like they're all alone. So it's important to be right there, support them in their decisions. If it comes back to bite them, it comes back to bite me. So be a leader for them and be a, uh, I'd say a gate champion for them. So you really can empower your staff, much like the kids, and you got to trust them, communicate with them, give them, give them some control. I often say that I'm not going to designate tasks. I'm going to designate res- responsibilities. And so very important from a leader standpoint to, to be that, that champion for them. Okay, so there's a lot that you said in there that I think is absolutely fantastic. So the first thing that I want to talk about is communicate, communicate, communicate. (laughs) And the reason why, and I actually, I don't want to say harp is the right word, but I will say, I'm going to harp, I harp on this a lot. Go for it, yeah. Yeah, and I just, when I work with a lot of people who are either, I communicate a lot with a lot of different teams, both internally and externally. So whether you're on the technology side in the public sector or you're a vendor, or or it's like trying to book a hotel for a venue, or my favorite is the basketball team. One of the things that I can sense very quickly is communicate, communicate, communicate. So great teams communicate. And I found on the basketball court, we are always on the kids to communicate and help each other, especially on defense. And you see this, and I think sometimes it gets glossed over. Like, why are these professional athletes? Like, why is Draymond Green yelling all the time? Well, there's a reason why Draymond (laughs) is yelling all the time. He is constantly talking. And so at the high school level, this is same thing. And there's kind of a difference between JV and varsity. Like the JV guys can sometimes be a little shy. and, And you can say, well, that might be their personality. And that might be true. But to make it to varsity, you have to communicate because you work as a team. You're expecting your teammate to slide over defensively to help you on the backside. And if there right, no one's communicating right. or talking to each other, it won't work. So, and I, it's a big thing. And then another classic example I use because I work with my wife is in marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Communicate, Absolutely. communicate, communicate. And, and so having that open communication and then even I tell folks or even the kids, your choice not to communicate is still a choice that you are making. It's still a decision. <laughs> and so the, you don't want to communicate because you're shy. I understand. I hear you. But varsity level moves so much quicker and your teammates want you. They need your help. And so it's so critically important. And so in the in in the professional world, a lot of times I think we kind of if we don't come from sports, I think sometimes we kind of forget to you can never over communicate. And so I'm I love that. I'm big on that. I love that you brought that up. And it just resolves so many problems so much easier because if you're open to communication, you're probably going to be humble. You're probably going to say, Hey, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. Or, Hey, you know what? I messed up. I made a mistake, but let's figure out a way. Let's communicate our way 
to get to to the right result, to the right questions that we need to ask. And so I love that you touched on the communication piece a lot. Yeah, just a, a little bit more about it and kind of likening to what you're talking about with sports in a game. So communication is crucial when dealing with an incident, a cybersecurity incident, right? Communication not only for our IT staff, but also for our organizational stakeholders and our leadership to understand what is going on. What is that impact that we're dealing with? Because that then puts them into a position to be able to respond to the incident from an organizational level. So if we're communicating during an incident, when it's first in the middle, at the end, and even coming back around, much like practice and saying, what do we learn? Then we're really setting ourselves up for a better opportunity to be ready for another incident and respond during an incident. But communication at all levels is key and it helps break down those silos. You mentioned that about the different personalities of coming to the table, talking and communicating, it helps remove those silos. Yeah, I love that. The last thing that you said that I thought was really good is the difference between tasks and responsibilities. And I didn't want I didn't want to gloss over or miss this. And the reason is tasks, I probably have a hundred tasks a day. And actually, if I wasn't using hyperbole, I have 38 tasks I have to do today in my, in my commitment tracking system. So I've got 38 tasks right now, but responsibility I love because it just inherently has ownership baked in to it, which I am huge. And so even on the basketball court, I can give them plays to run, but I fully expect them. And we communicate, we communicate this to them. During the game time, and especially a crosstown rivalry game, you won't hear us. It's loud. The student section is exploding. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people haven't been in high school for a while, but you step on a high school campus, you remember very quickly, there are kids are yelling. You can't see the coach unless you're calling a timeout, and especially if you're on the road. And so you have to be able to make a call and take ownership and have responsibility that you can make that call. And I think that's a super important part of a leader is empowering the team to take responsibility, to to delegate, not tasks, but that authority, that responsibility is huge. So I don't wanna gloss over that. And I love that you, you brought that up, Gavin. Over the past couple of years in the IT space, we've been seeing a, this shift from kind of the traditional hierarchy model where it's kind of the CIO, CISO, to kind of this kind of flat, or kind of running alongside kind of parallel structure where the CISO is elevated along the CIO. I think kind of every organization or every organization might be a little bit different, but I'd love to see just kind of technologies moving so quickly. The space is just rapidly evolving. What do you see kind of the future of this looking as you're teaming together CIO, CISO to tackle these challenges? Yeah, so I've been working in, in IT 26 years now, which is over, over half of my life now that I think about it. And I've seen a lot of aspects. I've seen a lot of technology. I've seen the app dev, the network security, your basic help desk security, or excuse me, not help desk security, but help desk operation and network operations. And the one thing that we I've specifically looked at in the past decade is that really that focus on security. And when you think about it, everything that you have, I won't say everything, but I'm going to say a good bit of the majority that you have as part of your IT shop, uh, you, you have it in security. So we talk about network. I've got network in my IT shop. Well, you also need network security. I've got application and development. 
in my IT shop. Well, you also have app dev security. I've got project management in my IT shop. Well, guess what? A lot of those projects have a security component. So this focus on security is really, to me, is an, is also an opportunity, but really more of changing the way we approach IT. And really it's IT is there to what? Help provide a solution to a problem. Security now tacked onto that is help provide a solution to a problem, comma, securely. So for me, I think that the, the CIO and the CISO can run parallel and that organizations that have kind of adopt that mentality are going to put themselves in a good posture. And, you know, of course, it requires a really good working relationship between your IT and, and your security. But it's an opportunity that I think that you'll see more and more organizations as security becomes the forefront of IT in the coming years. I love that. That is, that is a great insight into how this market is evolving, comma, and securely. So I'm going to start using. I love that. Yeah. So Gavin, you shared a YouTube video with me that I really liked. Leadership on a submarine regarding leadership and military. I was kind of curious, like I watched the video, but I, I want to know. Audience would love to know what stuck out to you. What did you love? What did you like about it? Yeah. So over these past few years, I've really been big into motivation, self-improvement. I think when my son was born, I wanted to try and be a better, this best version of me. So I've really been keying in on a lot of these. I practically listen to one every day, motivational videos or inspirational videos. And this video came about to me as part of a training that was provided by the state of Florida, a certified public manager training. And as part of one of our courses, it was in the course and it, it really resonated with me. And what stuck out to me the most was the leaders aren't in for it just for themselves and true leaders are in for it for everybody around them. And they really try to, like we've talked about a little bit, empowering, but really bringing everyone up, else up around you to that same level. And in the video, it says you do that by creating an environment which others don't have to rely on you. Now, from a job security standpoint, that doesn't sound that good, right? But it is, and it's meant to. So because if I'm out of the picture, then those surrounding me know what to do and that they know what, how I would likely respond, or if they had a better solution, then they bring it to the table. You know, with my team and reflection of that, I, when they come to me with issues, one of the first questions I ask is, what do you suggest? Or what do you recommend? And so I'll listen, and I'll listen very intently to what they say. If I think there are pieces that they haven't taken into consideration, I'll talk to them about that and maybe try to not encourage them, but kind of throw a few breadcrumbs out for them to try to pick it up in that critical thinking, because I want them to be able to not rely on me. And so I think that video, what it really sounded to me and resounded to me was that don't be in it for yourself. Make sure that you're creating another leader. And that's the true core or true definition of a leader. Yeah, we want to keep multiplying leaders. That is great. Someone told me, you're going to laugh since I got into the motivation, self-improvement. Someone told me, Joe, you're like Tony Robbins, but for the public sector. And I was like, hey, not a, it's not a bad, not a bad. I was like, yeah, I was, yeah, 
I was like, yeah, that's not terrible. Okay. He's a couple feet bigger than me and is ginormous. He's actually had the chance to meet Tony Robbins at one point oh, nice. at a, at an event in Florida. And he's a big guy. <laughs> he makes me look tiny, yeah. but uh, yeah, I was kind of cracking up about that. So one of the things that has been, this just been happening across the news quite a bit is private companies have been laying off quite a few people, mm-hmm. maybe since last October or so. I, one of the, one of the things I think is kind of exciting is just the opportunity for the public sector to pick up great talent and just kind of love to hear maybe what you would like to tell the audience that you like working at the Florida office of the state courts administrator and maybe why that potentially would be like a great opportunity to maybe jump ship for those who are, are in the private sector who have maybe not quite looked at the public sector. Yeah. So there's a reason I've been there for 16 years and it's not because they can't kick me out the door. It's the people I work with. There's I would almost say a culture of the people that I work with in my unit and across all of IT and then across all of the other units. And it's to me, as I've told my staff, it's a, there's a very good, what I'll say, balance of work and life that is accomplished there at Oscar. And so I'm really grateful for working there. I've really got excellent leadership from my CIO to my state court administrator to our justices and judges throughout the state. So Oscar really provides a quality of life that uh, may not be found in many private sectors. I also give the hats off to Oscar for being able to be very flexible. They've, when the pandemic changed a lot, a lot of the way everyone looks at work, right? And so Oscar really did a very, to me, a, a very good job adapting, putting together some really good teams to assess the impact and their role, they're going to continue to do a good job. So I also say this, and a little of this might be just because of my history. I come from a family of law enforcement, my dad, my brothers. And so I've always kind of felt that pride when it comes to right and wrong. And I'll say this is that when I walk in the doors of that building, the Supreme Court, there is a bit of pride and of what you're doing for the state and the people. And that really resonates. You may not think it, and it gets often overlooked, is that in the technology world, we're dealing with technology, we're dealing with security, but you don't realize how much of an impact you're actually having until you go and sit in the middle of a trial or go and sit and listen to a judge making decisions that could impact a family or impact a person. But they're relying on a lot of that technology that you help support to make those decisions. So the courts provide a lot of pride. Oscar provides a lot of pride for me personally. So I've really enjoyed it. And it's, it is a real good place to work. Good place to, I don't say, I wouldn't like to use the word work. Good place to be a part of. I love that. That is fantastic. So for those listening who maybe haven't, that's the pitch <laughs> for the public sector. I love it. Okay. So we're going to open up with the Tech Tables Plus community I'm going to call this the mailbag time. So I've got a community okay. of folks inside Tech Tables Plus. And so I take in questions, say, hey, guys, hey, friends, here's who's coming on the podcast in the next month. And so we've got Michael Petroika out at Brooks Source has a couple questions. So I love this. First question Mike has is if you could just talk about the biggest challenges your organization is facing this year regarding the workforce. Yeah, I'd love to hear kind of 30,000 foot overview level what you're seeing. Yeah, so I can't speak holistically from the organization, but I will say I believe Oscar, again, 
doing a really good job being flexible when it comes to retainment of staff and hiring of staff. The When it comes to security of staff in particular, since obviously I have a very strong working knowledge of that, it is challenging. Security is a hot topic, and it's a hot topic for a very good reason. But the challenges that we face, or at least I face, is that a shortage, a shortage of security professionals. There's study after study telling us that, and I ran into it. I'm currently hiring a security analyst, trying to fill a position of a security analyst, and it has, we've had some very good candidates, there's no doubt, but at the same time, we're still having challenges because it's, it's a very open and hot field. So those are kind of the biggest things that I deal with right now is that when it comes to the security standpoint, finding good quality talent is hard because there's not that many to choose from. What I do now say is a shining light maybe or a beam of light on this in the security realm. And I've seen a lot more education in security. When I was graduating college, security wasn't in the default. Right. No, but now you've got masters of information security programs that are available for people. And I'm seeing that on resumes. So that's very good. But from a security, it's hard. And I think from a organizational standpoint, OSCA has done a good job of being flexible to, to accommodate this new way of work. Yeah, no, that is great. Well, I remember interviewing Rob Main, who's he just recently stepped down, retired from the state of North Carolina, he's his chief risk officer. And I think he said the state of North Carolina is across the board. I think there's like short 21,000 people on the cybersecurity front, which is pretty incredible to see just like the demand. So yeah. we do have some college kids that listen to this podcast. Well, good. There are yeah. some professors reach out to me that have their whole class listen to the public sector show by check tables, which I love. So oh. if you're listening, I would niche down on cybersecurity. There are lots of jobs. Yeah. Another question, what is your involvement in the planning and disbursement of the CISA security funds for the state of Florida, or I guess the Florida State Administrative Courts, if you have any thoughts there? Yeah. So when that offering first came about from the federal government, we took a long, hard look at it and tried to understand what was required of the, to achieve the funding and acquire the funding. And so I, I participated in quite a few webinars, quite a few engagements, trying to see if there's opportunities from a state perspective that we could provide funding. And when you look at the offer, if you look at the grant, it was really focused and rightfully so on, on cities and counties. Uh, so for me at a state perspective, it was very challenging to find the roads to help get funding for the cities and counties. So just for your awareness, we have what's called circuits throughout the state of Florida. So there's 20 circuits made up of 67 counties. And so you may have a circuit that's made up of, say, three counties. Well, in that circuit, they have each county maintains their IT. So that makes it, I'm not saying impossible, but just very challenging for us to find the, the ways to fund, utilize this funding for the city or the county. So what we have done, though, is, and I know that recently the Florida Local Government Cybersecurity Grant Program website went live, I think it was just last week, but we have made the circuits uh, aware of that and told them, said, work with your cities and work with your counties to try and acquire some of this funding so because you can put yourself in a better security posture. Yeah, the state of Florida, I think there was a $30 million 
separate that for yeah the local municipalities and right now kind of doing the road show right now to promote that and i know because i've talked to people across florida they are I was trying to figure out what the details are so shameless plug for myself on saturday march 18th we're gonna have a fantastic conversation with jamie grant and we've got a few other great folks coming on Jeremy Rogers, another great state CISO is going to be down there. We're going to be talking about this. We're going to be covering this topic in addition to kind of the hurricane response, which is kind of the lessons and learnings and insights from there. So we're very excited. We also have some city folks coming up to Orlando. So very excited to hear from past guests, Ramundo Rodolfo, who's the CIO for the city of Coral Gables, Mecca McKay, who's the CIO for the city of Fort Lauderdale, and a few others coming on up. Going to have intimate conversations, great time. Check out techtables.com. Gavin, how'd you like that? You set me up. It was like, kind of like an alley-oop and I had to just throw it down right there. Hey, uh, hey, hey, listen, was it Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was really good at the the hook shot, right? Yeah, uh, so, yeah. So I just laid it right over there for you. Uh, I love that. Okay, and I want to know this too. So even though I know Mike asked this, I was also going to ask this. So sorry, Mike, but what is the most rewarding <laughs> part of your day? Oh, wow. All right, so... Um, Personally, on my personal uh, disconnecting and spending time with my wife, kids and wife, this is a lot more challenging than you may think in the security world, but I, I do absolutely try my best to, to cut off and feel comfortable doing so. And I think that maybe I'm doing the right thing because I have felt more comfortable cutting off here lately because my team's got me. And so I felt very good about that. Professionally, the most rewarding, I'd say growth, growth of my team, growth of my peers, growth of myself, right? Just like when we were talking about in the beginning of little kids and my team needing acknowledgement, well, I need acknowledgement too. And so if I see my own personal growth in decisions I've made or things that have happened around me, then it's rewarding. A little bit on the other side of that is that if there's no security incidents. So if you've ever dealt with any type of security incident, they are consuming and they will really take up a lot of your time, a lot of your hair and many other things that you just really are hard to get back. And so if I don't have a security incident during the day, it's absolutely rewarding. But if I see growth, that's probably a little bit more rewarding. And for the audience that will watch this on YouTube, it's because <laughs> Gavin has no hair. That doesn't mean there's been a bajillion security instances. No. no. One, one is not related to the other. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, I look, Gavin, I really appreciate you um, coming on the Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. Are there one or two or one or two guests that you think should come on the podcast? A anyone that you think you're like, hey, I, they want to spread their message or any insights you're learning that should come on the podcast? I have to absolutely nominate one person, and, and then that is my CIO, Roosevelt Sawyer Jr. Uh, I'll say this. Several months back at a conference, I believe it was, I was asked, who is my CIO and how are they as a boss, as a manager? And I instantly corrected them and said, he's a leader. And I think I have grown much indicated there for my own growth and my team's growth. I've grown a lot because of him. So I think he would bring a lot to the table and a lot of vision. He's definitely going to talk about communication and it's helpful and that would really make an impact to others. I love that. We will definitely reach out and try and get that scheduled. I love vision. I love communication. And I love what you said, actually. Just was, I know we're wrapping up right now, but the difference between a manager and a leader is so important. We're not going to have time to dive into that topic today, but that is such an important 
distinction because the world does not need any more managers. We need more leaders. And so I'm going to end with that. But Gavin, thank you for coming on the Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. Joe, I really appreciate the opportunity and hope to talk to you again soon. You're listening to the Public Sector Show by Tech Tables, a podcast dedicated to sharing human-centric stories from CIOs and technology leaders across the city, county, state, and federal agencies, joining in the conversation and touching the hearts and minds of leaders across technology today. From mission-driven leadership to cloud, AI to cybersecurity, workforce challenges, and more, never miss insights from peers and vendor partners across the public sector. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to techtables.com and drop an email to subscribe. New podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, along with weekly behind the mic newsletter. And one of today's podcast sponsors is Tech Tables Plus, an engaging new community where you can have early access to never before released episodes, early access to live event recordings, early access to weekly three interesting learnings, early access to live event ticket purchases, no episode ads and more, plus three extra special bonuses when you sign up today. Bonus number one, access to the CEO show. Bonus number two, access to the Higher Ed Show. And bonus number three, access to the Digital Show. Join Tech Tables Plus today. As always, thank you for supporting the Tech Tables Network.